uh, Margaret here with a bit of admin before we start. We're going to be recording our first live show at Machantleth Comedy Festival on Sunday the 30th of April with the amazing Eleanor Morton, who you've probably seen from Twitter. She does loads of brilliant characters. Um, so details and link are on our Substack page. I keep telling you to go to the Substack page. Please do. Uh <laughs> And follow us while you're there. Um, it's all free and it means we can share a few extra bits. Thank you very much. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to Crushed by Margaret Caborn Smith, a podcast about the horrors and heroics of unrequited love. My guest today is the gloriously hilarious, award-winning stand-up comedian, Angela Barnes. Angela, hello. Hello, Margaret. Thank you. That was a lovely intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm very excited to speak to you about this subject because I'm feeling you might be an expert. Would you consider yourself an expert? Oh, I mean, I've been crushing all my life, Margaret. There's no <laughs> no doubt about that. Straight had, out the womb. Oh, straight out the womb, womb into a crush. <laughs> I have had more crushes than actual romances in my life, for sure. <laughs> that is no doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we should... I, I'm not going to talk about your being born uh, <laughs> but let's talk let's talk about your first crush well the first Can crush remember I them? remember I'm very young and I don't know if crush is the right word but it was like a little obsession I had and really it was the start of me continually spending my childhood barking up the wrong tree because my first <laughs> crush was with the comedian Kenny Everett <gasps> oh and I think it's just I in was... what can I ask in what guise was it him was it well, I, one of his characters, think, Sid Snot. Or I think Sid Snot. I think there's something about the <laughs> the leather that did it for me. Um, but actually, just I I can remember. I can only well, I was definitely younger than six because we. I remember the house we were in. I reckon I must be about four or five. And so my parents would watch it on telly, and think you know it all went over my head. Obviously, I was tiny, but it was such a colourful TV show, and he was so bright and loud and funny and pulled funny faces and I was just mesmerized by him and I can remember having a dream about him and the dream ah. I had about him is so vivid that I still remember it's the earliest dream I remember and he was sitting wow, go on. on top of like a fairy tale castle and he was eating 50 pence pieces I don't know why <laughs> but there you go and and then so you should have that analyzed I should really should I don't know what that says about me someone eating money <laughs> said yeah. a lot about my finances I think but um, yeah and, and I just absolutely loved him I watched his show religiously all through my childhood I loved him presumably not sexual or, or was no. it like, I, what did you feel about him I think I just he just made me happy I don't that's the only feeling I can uh. think of is and I think it was because he was colourful and I knew he was funny, even though most of it I didn't get. You know, watching it again as an adult, you're like, oh, God, <laughs> that's quite... Yeah, yeah, none risky. of this. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, it was just, you know, my, it was making my parents laugh, so it must have been funny. I don't know. There was something about... Yeah, I mean, I think he is just, like, he has got funny bones. He's one of those people that it doesn't really matter what he's saying and how much of it you're you're not getting. You know, just like he's got a, a funny face and and voice, and it's just yeah, yeah, full the, on that sort of clowning face. So I loved him, but the first the first crush I remember 
as I suppose a sexual crush, although I was still a child, really. But you know, that first time you're like, I feel funny and I don't know what this feeling is, but it's making me feel funny. And again, yeah, barking up the wrong tree, as it turns out, was George Michael. Wow. In his wham days. Yes. So quaffed. So quaffed. Such perfectly sprayed <laughs> hair. And so, I mean, how did people not know or think they didn't know that that was a gay man they were looking at? But, um, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I'm not even sure people knew about Kenny Everett, although I don't think yeah, he was really hiding it or anything. It's just, yeah, it's so weird. Both of those cases, I think, they were sort of being, weirdly, being gloriously themselves, oh. but hiding in plain sight, not doing a whole, But you know, just sort of couldn't really well, I be. I think in real life, in, you know, I grew up in Maidstone in Kent in the 80s. In real life, people were gay. That wasn't something that people were. And even... You know, the most outrageously camp people on television, Kenneth Williams, Larry Grayson, all these people were on your TV screens. But no one was allowed to say they were gay. Liberace wasn't gay. No. You know, as far as anyone was aware, because it was a thing that wasn't true. <laughs> Just can't, can't possibly yes, exactly. be. And I think today it's so weird. It's legal, but it doesn't really exist. Exactly. And it's so weird today to think that that was the case, you know, that people, these people were gay, but they couldn't be open about it. Well, it's so obvious now in hindsight yeah but um and so with with george michael did you you were a child so i'm presuming it wasn't like lurid sexual fantasies did you think you wanted to marry him or be on tour with I him i think i i just wanted to i thought if he, if i could just meet him and somehow and that's what the crush is isn't it because you're aware that these people and particularly then before social media and everything these people are are occupying a different planet to you that the worlds do not collide there's no overlap there's no reaching these people you know you can write to their fan club and that's it and that doesn't you know yeah i was i was never very into fan clubs and i think it's because i didn't want to be reminded that other people felt like that about them it's like no 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 they're, they're mine yeah. that's i want to write them yeah yeah i'm not going to join a fan club because i'm not a fan <laughs> I am a special person that if he actually met me, yes, he would yes, realise that. I have a that. connection, a deep connection with this exactly. bloke on the telly. <laughs> exactly. And quite cruelly, a friend of my dad's, so I must have been about, I don't know, maybe 10, 11. And I loved, and I loved Wham! And I also loved Andrew Ridgely as well. And I think part of me, I, I loved George Michael, but part of me thought, well, Andrew Ridgely's more realistic. <laughs> yeah. So... I suspect you know, he was... I was aware that George Michael was setting my sights a bit too high. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll take Andrew originally. I'd, t I'd take him, you know, yeah. that's fine. And then my parents both worked at, at Brands Hatch at the motor racing circuit when I was growing up. So I was there every weekend, all the time. I love motor racing. And Andrew Ridgely took up motorsport and started racing. And I remember it must have been about 1988, I guess. So I would have been about 11 and he did, it was called the Brands Hatch Super Prix. So he did, I think it was in an F3 car, an F4 car, anyway, whatever. And he was there. And I remember oh being with my dad's friend, Leslie, and she said, should we go over? Because there were loads of screaming girls outside because they'd heard that he was going to be there. But I was in, because my mum and dad worked there. So I was yeah. in, like, in the paddock in the pits every weekend at Brands Hatch. That was just where I grew up. And so and my dad's friend, Leslie, who worked there, said, do you want me to take you down and meet him? And I absolutely froze. I like, no. <laughs> And I wouldn't go over. I completely wow. And do, do it. you do you regret that? Or like at the time, really? Oh, yeah. 
I, t- I regret- regretted it immediately. I regretted it when I went to school on Monday and no yeah. one believed me. Because we didn't have camera phones then. I had no photographic evidence that I was there and he was just over there. And, you know, and so everyone was like, yeah, of course you, yeah, of course you saw Andrew originally. I did, he was just, he was oh. there. But I was so shy and I just, there was, she said, come on, we'll take you over there. We'll go. And I just went, no, no, I refused to go over and say I wonder hello. what would have, like, have you met so, uh, big crushes since? Have you been introduced to someone? Have I ever met anyone? There's one, there's one, <laughs> there is one who I'm not going to name. Damn it. Um, but he, a, a, a very famous comedian. That I had a crush on. Okay, this is a story. I, I, yeah, sorry, I'll tell it. I okay. just won't we say can who bleep it. Was. it. I might yeah, tell you all fair late. <laughs> we can, yeah. So I, he had a TV show in the nineties. So when I, this is when I was about fourteen, fifteen, maybe. And me and all my friends loved his TV show, and we watched it, and we loved it. Uh, and then skip forward to, oh my god! And I, and I, you know, had posters of him. I really, you know, big crush. And then. Skip forward to, I must have been in my late 20s, I think. Yeah, late 20s, I'd say. And I, I was out one night in Islington. And and this is long before I started doing stand-up, because I didn't start doing that until I was in my mid-30s. And uh, I was out one night in Islington, and I was in the bar in Islington with my friends, and I was really, we were all quite drunk on a night out. And I remember going up to get some cigarettes out of the cigarette machine, different time. And... I went up to the cigarette machine in this pub and he was stood there next to the cigarette machine. This guy who'd been my crush from when I was 14, 15. And I was like putting money in the cigarette machine and I dropped a pound coin and I'm not joking, he, he oh picked my God. it up and we started chatting. Anyway, really when, you say he drunk, p- when you say he picked flirting, it up, did he keep it or did he give it to you? <laughs> he didn't. He gave it to me and now we put it in. And then he asked for a cigarette. So I gave him a cigarette. We had a cigarette and then we no. snogged. And then I went back to my friends. Yeah. And I went back to my friends. And my friends were like, did you just? I went, yeah. And then we, like, it was very drunk and very, like, no numbers. Anyway, <laughs> 10 years later, I had to work with him. And I never, ever mentioned it. Ever. And to anyone in comedy, anyone. I, who see, that and was. I don't want to be insulting, but it does sound like he might be the sort of person who did that a lot. Like, I don't think yeah, you uh, would have uh, been the absolutely. only one that he and, ever just. No. I don't think he met me at a gig and went, I remember you from that. That didn't happen. No. I wasn't the only one that night, I imagine. So, did he you know. know that you were, did you manage to conceal that you were a fan or a crush or whatever? Or did you say, I think you're hot, like you're... I can't remember exactly because I'd had quite yeah. a few cocktails, I think, by that point. So I must have gone, oh my God, you're okay. you know, and so, sort of yeah. fangirled a bit. I must have done. Um, and so that, you know, again, at that time particularly, that was a green light then to go. I'm in here. And it was nothing. It was literally just, I gave him a cigarette, we had a quick snog, got on with my but, life. But you um, say it was nothing. I, like, was it nothing <laughs> at the time? Like, you know, you sound like you you went back to your mates a bit like, <laughs> which I absolutely I would as well. Did you? Sure. <laughs> I'm sort of in shock. Because you know when you're a bit... Drunk, and, you, and I was like, "Did that just happen?" And my friends were going, "Yeah, that, yeah, we saw that." that it's brilliant. Happened. It's sort of, and it's, so, it's a sort of, um, yes, exactly. It's the opposite of the Andrew Ridgely thing <laughs> of just like going, "Oh my god, exactly. I had a little audience exactly. there." That's the dream. All the people that I wanted yeah. to see me get off with, literally get off with saw them, it. and they could tell everyone oh else god, that they saw that's that. So happen. good. 
Um, I mean, it's not, and, and it was not a oh, good that's song. A shame. You know, it was. I didn't come away going, "Well, now I'm yeah. definitely in love." It was like, oh, he was a bit pissed and tasted of fags, and it wasn't very nice, to be honest. And by that point, also, he was ten years older, and yeah, you know, well, it wasn't all. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't so it was all that. Just you, but, um, just but, you, you know, sort of. Were you doing it for your your fourteen year old self, basically? I was. Yeah, absolutely, for my fourteen year old self. That was so I could say to her. Yeah, you did it, and do you know what? You didn't like it, <laughs> so, so you fine. win. Actually, it's fine. I yeah, you win. Yeah, yeah. You sort of rejected him, although you didn't. But let's say you did. <laughs> you rejected him by yeah, completely going off him as soon as anything actually happened. But I wonder if, um, if that's a hard thing for for people who are pinups, like literal pinups, whether they do well, experience people going off them very quickly. <laughs> They must it because when you've got you know when you're crushing on someone, they're on a pedestal, and no one can live up to the ideal of a crush. No human being yeah. can. So they must just be disappointing people <laughs> left, right, and centre. And that's probably why you know so many celebrity relationships are such disasters because it's like, well, you're not how I imagined you to be. So yeah, immediate letdown. Yeah, I, I don't. It they can't possibly be that person because that person doesn't exist. Yeah. Yes, that's amazing. And um, so, was there anyone in yeah. between the Andrew Ridgely and I mean, look, we, listen, we should talk about the real people as well. Uh, Not that I mean, you've literally snobbed someone who yeah, is real. Okay. We've verified it, but <laughs> the, the the people who were but yeah were real maybe people. a bit more attainable. Well, I see. I went. I went to a girls' school, um, <clears throat> like a girls' grammar. I grew up in Kent when they still have the grammar school system, and I I maintain that. Single sex schools. I understand academically why they think it's a good idea, but it absolutely screws you up socially. Because at my school, all we talked about was boys. Like my whole school life did not pass the Bechdel test. Like every conversation (laughs) we had was about boys because we were starved of their. And I think if you went to school with boys every day, you knew that most boys were smelly, horrible lumps that, you know, were horror you know the reality of it but I didn't have you know I've got a brother but he's 12 years younger than me so I had no I had some cousins that were older but I had no reality of what so boys were like these mystical amazing beings that we knew made us feel funny and they were going to be the answer to all our problems and they were all we obsessed over so I went to um grammar school in Victor Girls Grammar School in Maidstone that's where I went and there were the boys at the boys grammar school thing and they were like we, our they in their wisdom they built our hockey pitch next to the chain link fence oh next God. to their school. So when we had to play hockey oh in our little God. skirts and our little gym knickers, they'd be literally hanging <laughs> on the fence like, Whoa! and it was like, oh no, they're scum. We don't like them. <laughs> so it was the boys at the grammar school that we liked, or the boys at the Catholic school because they felt a bit unattainable. Yeah. So it was Filthy. the Simon Stock Catholic school were the, yeah, they were the boys that were mostly the subject of my crushes. Yeah. I think. There was a boy called, um, his name was Martin Henley, and he had a yellow mini. Oh, my God. He had a yellow mini. I remember that. And, um, yeah, I had quite a crush on him for a long time. And I remember he lived in a little village just outside Maidstone. And I remember going, like, my dad on a Sunday, we quite often go for, like, a drive out to a country pub, and I'd always go, let's go to 
let's go to Staplehurst because that's where he lives. <laughs> just in case I might see him walking through the village green or something. It's really tragic. <laughs> really tragic. Don't know why it ever happened to him. It's weird that that's so enough tragic. to... Sorry, Martin, yeah. if you're listening. But... Well, no, I mean, I would love to know that somebody was going on big, boring drives <laughs> to, to your village. Yeah, just to try and catch yeah. a glimpse Yeah, because it's, it's not stalkery, <laughs> is it? it? It's funny. I, I was so hung up when I was younger about the way I look and so I'd written a lot about it and I think I was told when I was really little by other kids that I was ugly and so that really set in my head and what I didn't realize until I was an adult and actually I can tell you a story about the exact moment I realized it and this thing that I did that was so empowering but I realized that it doesn't matter what you look like being fancied is really nice like it doesn't matter if the person that you that fancies you doesn't fancy you it's still a nice feeling. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it really, it it should be much clearer to yeah. us all that that it's not about looks, that it's not a sort of, you know, that that you can, you know, genuinely see someone incredibly, objectively yeah. good looking and have no, no feelings at all. You know, nothing. Yeah, no yeah. attraction to them at all. But it's weird, however much that, you know, however much that is true, and you know that to be true, because we all fancy all manner of weirdos. Um, it still, you still think, oh God, but it means something about me if they don't yeah. fancy me. Or, or you know, that you know, that if you're fancied by someone who's not attractive, that that's somehow a slight on you, and it isn't. Like, you know, you go, oh, just because I don't find them attractive, them finding me attractive still feels nice. You know, and yeah. Yeah, there, there was a a boy at primary school whose his name was Tim Peake. He's not the a, uh, astronaut, but his <laughs> name was Tim Peake, <laughs> and he was the like he was this little blonde haired kid, slightly naughty but not too naughty. Captain of the football team, all the girls at the primary school loved him. You know, he was the cool kid, and he always used to be. He was always really nice to me. And I wish I could go back and tell that little girl, he's being nice to you because he likes you. I was, I thought he was being nice to me because he was taking the mickey. And so things like, um, there were, I remember there being a, in class, we had to choose, like we had to sit boy, girl, boy, girl. And he asked if he could sit with me. And I said, no, because I thought he was doing it to take the mickey. Oh, no. And things like that. And I want to go back and go, I mean, maybe he was taking the mickey. Maybe he actually just really thought you were funny or fun and actually just wanted to hang out with you and you just completely told him to go away every time yeah I just rejected just him I you know I thought all the cool girls all the sporty girls liked him you know and so I was just like oh stop stop drawing attention to me it's weird or we'd play kiss chase in the playground and then he'd chase me and I'd go I don't want to play anymore because I thought he was doing it to take the mickey oh, like, and I'd go look back and just go I think he just wanted to be your friend Yes, because did you have any evidence that he was taking the mickey? Was he like, no, you know, not that I can I, remember. No, I'm sure that you it. would remember if it, you know, yeah. if it turned out that him and his mates were all, you know, playing a game I, of I, let's I know, tease. It's sort of horrible to it. We went on a like little residential That's trip it. with the school and we all stayed in the place and there was like a tuck shop on this way. And I remember he bought me a chocolate biscuit like Angela he really loved I you know, and I oh. was just like I don't think he, I think he, he thought I was funny or so I, I think he wanted to be my mate is what I think looking back and he was just trying to be my you know and I just just thought he was doing it to be horrible 
But actually, oh God, it's so awful, isn't it? That inner that inner rejection that kicks yeah. in before you have any. You know, there's no reason that you should ever expect that someone won't like you, doesn't like you, or whatever. No, but but it's your all brain this, just it, tells you it must be this, it must be that. Yeah, and I think right through to my adult life, I thought that you know anyone that was nice to me, anyone that ch- chatted me up or whatever we're around about, were doing it for a bet or was doing yeah. it. You know, that's the sort I- of. And, and I, I don't think lovely... that happens a lot. No, I don't think it does. Not I don't really. think it's that cruel. Not really. No, exactly. Um, <clears> but, <throat> you know, that's just, that's my own insecurities, my own brain. But so tell me I the have... empowering story. So this Is was this such what? a yeah. lovely moment. So I was 31 and I'd been living in London for about 10 years and I just split up with someone who I thought was the love of my life. And we'd split up about six months before, maybe a bit longer. And um, and I decided I was going to move to Brighton. And Brighton, I'd been to university in Brighton. I love Brighton. I live here now. Um, but it was a big step then to just move back here on my own when I didn't know anyone. So I got, um, like, I was in a house share and um, with some people I'd just met. Or back in the days when you found a house in loot newspaper. Remember those days? Crikey. Wow. Um, <laughs> You're yeah. really showing your age. <laughs> oh, God. So this was actually, not. it would have been 2008, beginning of 2008. So I was about 31 and, uh, the third, yeah, 31. And I moved down here and I was commuting to London for work. So again, this is before I started doing stand-up. But I started running a comedy night because I just loved stand-up so much. And, and I ran a little comedy night in a room above a pub in Brighton because I thought it was a good way to meet people and, you know, anyway... I was commuting to it and every day I got on the same train and this guy got on the train every day and I would see him and he had like a beard and he was qu- kind of nerdy, which turns out is my type because I've married a nerdy guy with a beard now. <laughs> but, um, and there was something about him, he just looked really friendly and I can remember he was reading, um, oh God, what's it called? The, this is the menopause striking now. The, um, oh, Alan Thingy, the graphic novelist, um, The Watchman. Uh, Alan Moore, yeah. Alan Moore, that's it. Yeah. And he was reading that. And I, you know, I've always loved to nerd me. And he was really nerdy. And I just, every day I would see him. And he, he used to get off the train at East Croydon. And every day I'd be like, you're new in town. You don't know anyone. You should just talk to him. Just say hello. So, and I never did. And then like my flatmates I was living with, I told them about him. And because I used to mention him all the time. I have real mentionitis <laughs> with the train guy. Yeah. And um, one of them said, if you don't do something about him, we're just going to ban you ever mentioning him ever again. Oh, you just, like, just good tactic. Shit will get off the pot, basically. Yes, you know. yes because um, it's so boring. Because it's so boring <laughs> hearing about you just going, he looks really friendly and nice. Like, I'd be really good friends with, you know. They're like, just say hello to him or do something. So what I did, I, um, I think I had a flyer. I think it was on a flyer for the comedy show that I was promoting. And so I wrote on the back of it a little note. Because I just figured, well, you know, even if he's not interested, I will have advertised the show to someone. Maybe he'll come to that. You know, <laughs> that's good thinking. So, good PR. I just wrote. I can't remember exactly what I wrote on the back, but it was something like, you know, I'm new in town. I see you on the train every day. I don't know many people. If you'd like to hang out, just say hello tomorrow. Here's my email. I think, I, and I gave him my email address. And um, you know, if not, no worries. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, I've sat on the train, and he gets on the next morning and I've got this note in my hand and I was like at what point do I 
Am I, am I going to do this? Am I not? And I was like, do you know what? If you don't, then you've come here to start a new life. Be brave. You've done loads of brave things recently. Do it. So he gets up to go up, get off the train and he's got um, earphones in, right? He's listening to music. And he turns around and in my head, I was just like, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. And I was having <laughs> this conversation. So I just stood up and I tapped him on the shoulder, right? <laughs> And he turned around and he's like getting off the train. He's obviously confused. He thinks he's yes. dropped something or whatever. Yep. So I just hand him this note and then he walks off the train. And I sit down and everyone's sort of looking at me. And I'm like, well, I've done it now. I've done it. And I I got to work that day and I was just like, is he going to email me? What have I done? I can, I'm going to have to get a different train to work. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that would have been my worry. Yeah. I can't ever get, get up earlier. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to have to get a new job or something's going to have to happen. And then I've got a reply. And I've got an email. Do you want to hear it? I've got it. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Good. Yes, please. <laughs> so I've got an email reply. It's really this nice. This is my His dream. Matt. He's not the Matt I've married. I should okay, say that. I was going to say. But <laughs> it just said, and it's so sweet the way that he subtly tells me he's got a girlfriend. But it's so sweet. He just says, hi, Angela. Thank you so much for the note on the train. I've never received anything like that before. It's really made my morning. And I had a huge smile across my face as I read it. Sorry, I didn't really hear what you said when you handed it to me. I don't think I said anything. <laughs> I had my music on quite loud and I was still half asleep. Didn't we sit opposite each other yesterday too? Yes, we did. Oh. Um, he says, there definitely needs to be more chatting between commuters. How are you finding the commute? He said, I moved to Brighton about a year ago and I normally have a bike with me on the train. I live in a great little basement flat with my girlfriend. Are you also in a, are you also sharing a place? And like, he was subtly but beautifully oh, done. so nice. And then he just said, I'm currently applying for a job in Brighton and surrounding areas because I want to be closer to home. So I might not be commuting as much soon, but please say hello to me when you see me next. Have a lovely weekend, Matt. Oh, and wow. Did, that was the moment when I went, Oh, it's nice, isn't it, to get a compliment? It doesn't uh, matter if you're interested yes. or not. Yes. Like, he said that put a spring in his step that day. That made his day. Just a random girl saying, I find you attractive. Yeah. It's and a, you're like, everyone's dream. No. Right. You know. And it doesn't help in real life, does it? Sort of. You're no. Like, oh. So what happened after that? Did you did you start going getting a different like, train? I, I started getting a later train. <laughs> <laughs> I replied to his email. Yeah. What did you say? I think I just said, oh, um, you know, I think I said something about being, in, I could probably find it. I said something about being embarrassed and, you know, I probably will ignore you on the train for a little while. Um, but then from then on, I sort of see him and, and nod. And I think I bumped into him into a pub once. We just sort of nodded and smiled and said hello. But I never actually spoke to him. Oh, it was all a bit embarrassing. But yes, I was so glad I did it. Yeah. Because it felt really empowering, really sort of. Yeah, you are a grown woman. I mean, I was 31 by this point. You're an adult woman taking control of her life and you're being brave. You've moved to a new town where you didn't know anyone. You've started a comedy night. That was something you never thought you would do. And then I did that. And from in my 20s, feeling so insecure and unwell and depressed and suddenly this bravery hit. And I was really... It was all part of that that led to me then going, sorry, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian and doing all the things that I want to do. It's all part of that little this moment. Is, yeah, this is amazing. This is like an advert <laughs> for being great. Because, you know, that also some of it is, um, I think, realising the rejection won't kill you. You Absolutely. know, Because I know that, that, that like, it's not like you were saying, I want your body 
email no. me here, you know. So you were you were yeah. sort of like you didn't actually ask him out, or did you? Was it a sort of? No, I think I I just sort of said. I mean, I can't remember exactly. I'm new in town. He's got the note, but I think I was sort of. <laughs> I'm new in town. I don't know many people. You look friendly. I saw you reading the Watchmen, so I think we'd probably get on. Yeah, and here's my email address. You know, so it yeah. wasn't a no, but but obviously he knew it was a you know. So he mentioned his girlfriend very subtly in the reply. Yeah, um, no, he wrote a good reply as well. He's, it was a really uh, good reply, and it was really and because I didn't feel rejected by it. I didn't. Yes, go, exactly. Oh, I feel really sad now because that guy I had a crush on rejected me. I was like, I did a really nice thing today, and I feel very empowered by it, and I've made someone else feel good. No losers yeah. here. Yes, yeah, because I mean, it actually, I suppose it would have been quite easy for him to ghost you I don't know like I I, I can think of some men that I know and you know and even like who would just be like I can't I can't face you know even if they were flattered and whatever I'm going to pretend I didn't see the, the you know the, the the writing or whatever because just because people are cowards generally but it's just so yeah. much but what a lovely interaction to have yeah between really two people and it's just very sort of straightforward and going okay I've kind of admitted I fancy you and you know someone saying well that's like really flattering but I can't really do anything about it because actually even the friendship thing you can't do that if you've got a girlfriend like you go home and no, say it's to your weird, girlfriend isn't it? what, what, I'm now going to go out with this you had to do a note on the train and now you're just friends who clearly like, yeah, fancies exactly. you yeah he clearly fancies yeah. you um, but yeah, I, but yeah, did it kill the crush? Crazy. I think it did. Did you stop fancy? I think it did. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, because it was just, because crushes are all about this dream world. Like we said, it doesn't really exist. And and so by sort of bursting that bubble, you're like, okay, well, I'll move on to the next one then. You know, it's sort of. <laughs> How many other people be, were on that train? <laughs> oh my God, there's a whole <laughs> commuter train to work through. This is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Were you, when you had crushes, were you the sort of person to to act on it? It sounds like you weren't up until that Absolutely point. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And like I say, even if they were giving me signals or, you know, really positive signals, I I think, uh, I was going to say something so rude then, but I was going to say they'd have to be inside oh, me on. before I believed that they actually fancied me. But <laughs> that might be too rude <laughs> for the podcast. Oh, listen, I've, I've, had, I've had doubts. <laughs> I've had doubts even there. Well, yeah, that's true, actually. Um, <laughs> I think I've tricked this person into being inside me. I mean, I, like I said, I was so insecure. And I did have, you know, in my 20s, I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I'm also not not proud of it, is I, I've slept with too many people because I mistook it for, you know, affection or any of the thing, you know, and I thought that's what you had to do to be liked or, you know, I, I had a really messed up, idea about relationships for a really long time and I do think a big part of that was going to an all-girls school and that there was this mystique around men that I didn't understand how they worked I didn't understand what I had to do and I thought my life should all be about uh you know what what do I do in order to get a man that's everything that I'm thinking about is what do I do in order to rather than going how do I make myself happy and confident and then you know, the rest will come naturally if you want it to. Yes. Well, just sort of even do, do you want a man? Is this a man you want rather than I need to make him like me? How do I make him like me? And not even thinking, do you like him? <laughs> do you? I think, I think actually... I so desperately wanted to be, for want of a better word, normal. I mean, I like, you know, most comedians have recently been diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> I knew I was different. 
to all of my friends in in some way. I knew that something was going on and I didn't know what it was. And I think in my head, the answer was, if I could just be in a nice, normal relationship, then I'll be normal. Yes, look at this normal man standing next to me. Look at it, look at him. That means, means, yeah, that must reflect on me. (laughs) Look at me doing normal things like going to the cinema with my boyfriend. Look at all this normality. (laughs) And of course, that comes out as you just being this desperate, clingy, mess of a woman please yeah. love me uh, which yeah. is exactly what i was for a long time <laughs> yeah god okay so uh well so tell me about some of those <laughs> so oh my god i mean so, so many okay but you were so listen so you were sleeping with people um <laughs> where are you saying you weren't sleeping with the ones you actually liked or you know what Probably were you doing not. for your crushes I mean, the ones that you held there, in there's, high I'd regard. Have, I would have crushes on friends and <laughs> then like male friends and then you'd sleep with it and then go, no, that wasn't that. You're just a friend. And now I, oh, I've mis, I've misread everything here and I've misunderstood my own feelings and your feelings. And this is now a mess. Um, you know, so I would take what would be perfectly good friendships and it would just end up a mess of, you know. That's so interesting because I always feel like, I should have, I was going to say, slept with more of my friends. That's <laughs> But I was like, you know, the sort of the friendship became so holy that, um, you know, I sort of think that, like, so when you say you, you sleep with a friend, did you sort of declare your love? Or did you just sort of like... I think I probably did. Or some t- or it'd just be, you know, in your 20s, it's usually booze-related, I think, these situations sure. you get in. Uh, quite often, you're at a party or you're out and then, then you know, next thing you know, you go, well, I shouldn't have done that. Yes. <laughs> but I did. Yeah, but so, um, but so the boys, the uh, the men, boys, whatever they were, um, were they... Boys, but was there ever, <laughs> was, there, was there ever a guy who was like, Oh, I thought you liked me, and I thought I liked you. You know, who, yeah. who, was, who then felt rejected? Or were they I also was... like, oh God, this is a mess. Yeah, immediately. There was one person <laughs> where it was a mess for a really long time. I don't even want to give his name because it's sure. you know. Um, but yeah, we don't I need mean, to that name was... the mess. No, <laughs> that was a mess for years, and that's because it was somebody I now know with reflection who just preyed on someone who was a bit insecure and vulnerable and clingy and needy and all those things. And so they could get what they wanted when they wanted it and then could reject it quite easily without any... Do you know what I mean? It was that situation. And so I don't even... I look back on that with nothing but sort of pity for that girl that didn't have the strength to tell him to get lost, you know? Yeah. Um, And and sort of pity for him, really, because I just think, you just weren't very nice. Yeah. you know, and you did, you, did, you consider, did you consider him a friend? Yeah, like, that yeah, a friend the... first. Yeah. yeah, friend first. Um, and then it just sort of, you know, some messy nights or whatever. And then, yeah, you sort of go, oh, I think this is something. But it was never, we were never in a relationship. We were never together. But I, I was not pursuing other avenues because oh, I, I've been there. Thought yeah. this, you <clears> know, <throat> you're like, oh, I think this, this, this is going to happen eventually. This is yeah. destined to happen eventually. So I'm just going to wait and see. And we just would repeatedly be hurt, you know, and yeah. let down and used. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm sure I behaved in a way that was clingy and desperate and needy and quite unattractive in its own way because I didn't know how to, you know, like I say, I was a sort of 
my emotional regulation has never been great because <laughs> um, I've got ADHD. And so it was just a mess of things, really, that we met at a time when you were young and full of hormones. And this whole situation went on probably for, I don't know, seven, eight years, something like that, um, until, uh, you know, he sort of moved away and I just, got, you know, realised my, you know, what, yeah. what was that all about? It, the um, fog cleared. The fog cleared, yeah, somewhat. He did, um, he did email me, actually. Oh, did he? Uh, on that yeah. same email address? On that same email address. He emailed me... Um, Gosh, it must have been, I can't remember. It might have been just before I met my husband or just after. I can't remember. But it was either right at the beginning of our relationship or just before. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen or heard from him for 10 years. And he'd seen me on telly uh, or heard about me being on telly or something and wrote me an email and just sort of said, and, and the email made me really angry because it oh, said, no. it, was, it was a really short email and it just said something like, I'm really proud. Of, I've heard how well you're doing or something. I'm really proud of you. And I thought, fuck you. You don't get to be proud of me. Do you know what oh, I mean? I like, wish I you'd really... emailed that back. <laughs> I wish I had. What I actually did. Oh, I didn't email back for ages. And my, my best friend, Kirsten, I sort of forwarded it to her. And I was like, I don't reply to this, do I? She was like, mm-hmm. no, you absolutely don't reply to this. Because no. she was with me through the whole, you know. Nightmare. And then eventually I did reply to him. And I was actually quite nice to him. And I don't know why I did really. I think I just, you know, there's part of me that was like, but it wasn't all bad. You know, you were friends once and you had these nice times and you had nice times together and da 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 da, da you know. Yeah. And I sort of replied and then he replied and then I replied and then I was like, this is actually, no. I don't forgive you, especially because you don't seem very sorry. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just, we, we they, they were just emails about what you're up to now, you know, and it's yeah, nothing. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I was, that happened. I was hoping when you said he emailed that he was going to say, well, I saw you on telly and it did make me think. It did make me remember or realise because, like, like you know, to be fair, as you say, you don't know what they're they're not doing it consciously or whatever. They're just, you know, yeah, exactly. But you sort of hope at some point you go, oh, I actually treated that person really badly, or it's actually it sounded like he was wanting to go, hey, I slept with the bird of the tilly, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I mean, tell, who you knows? Know, so I who knows tell, what I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I did do. Sorry, I, I've I taken did, against I, him. Yeah, no, good. That's fine. A lot of my friends have. Um, I did do, so I did a routine about, it was sort of about him and sort of wasn't. But if you knew him, if you were someone in my life who knew him, you would know exactly who I was yeah. referring to in this routine. Yeah. Or you wouldn't necessarily identify him otherwise. And I did that routine and it went out on Live the Apollo, that routine. And I've not heard from him since that. Just part of me is like, well, I hope you watch that. <laughs> Because in it, I wasn't very well, nice. About it. I well, I mean, what is the point of being a successful comedian if you can't get all of your revenge <laughs> communicated? You, you can't get revenge on someone who broke your heart when you were young. What is the point of being on telly anyway? Um... <laughs> in all seriousness, do you think that you're that being a comedian? I mean, I know you've sort of spoken about. What what led you to being a, a comedian? But do you think any of it is uh, comes from a crush? Does it come from your crush on Kenny Everett? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did Kenny <laughs> Everett inspire I mean, you always, ultimately? I've always been a stand up fan, but I've always been. I don't know. I don't think 
I had that many crushes on comedians, and certainly <laughs> not since I've been working with them. <laughs> I mean, crikey. Um, oh, anything's going to put you off the whole business. Oh, my God. Um, and I think part of it, there's a part of me, in the same one that, so I'm a Formula One fan. And like I say, I grew up at Brands Hatch every weekend of my life. I grew up around motorsport, and it's something that I love. But I get really angry if people accuse me of only being into Formula One because the men are hot. You know, I get really angry yeah. about that. She's like, no, that's really undermining what... That doesn't mean I don't fancy some drivers occasionally. <laughs> I mean, you but, have to have a hobby. That's what, you know. You, know, you have to have a hobby. <laughs> but, you know, and I think it's the same with comedy. Like, I'm, so, I'm such a pure comedy fan that how dare you think I like someone just because they happen to also be fit, you know, or because, or because I have some... You know, I like to think that my appreciation of comedy was on a much higher level than <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I sort of... But I do think... I think the comedy, you know, the insecurity and all of that certainly led to being a, a stand-up. I've just, re oh my God, I've just remembered. Uh, it's so embarrassing. I, just, I don't know why this is just coming to my head, but I've just remembered something I did when I was about 16. And I was, what it was when, I must have been about 16, yeah. And it was when Big Brother was, I've gone red. Can you see that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's brilliant. You're blurry and I can see it. Oh my God. <laughs> I, it was when, um, the Big Breakfast was first on TV. And I don't know if you remember watching The Big Breakfast back in the sort of early 90s. They used to have a family of the week on oh, The Big yeah. Breakfast. Oh, yeah. And it would just be a normal family <laughs> would be on there sort of getting their 15 minutes of fame. Whatever. And I was watching it at home and there was a, a boy my age in the family. I thought he was 16. And I had a little crush on him and I wrote to him. <laughs> it went to him like just you know care of the big breakfast Riverside Studios whatever and, I, and he wrote back but he wrote back this letter that was quite obscene <laughs> oh my god and I was just like oh my oh, god oh, and I just not not overtly obscene but it was a bit like you know what are you wearing what what were you thinking no. about while you were surprised no. Something about it being, uh, I remember the word erotic was in it. And I was like, oh, no, no, this is not what I meant at all. This was a genuine reach out for, for love. About that. For love. You know, I thought it could be love. And now you're a dirty little boy from Leeds. Huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you Does wearing? Writes to somebody from the family of the week on but, a big break. I was so desperate for male attention. That's amazing. But be fair, we didn't have social media then. We didn't have social so, media then. You know, no, I'm sure don't. loads of people are just firing out tweets to people they find fit. <laughs> and working out quickly that it's not going to work. But you're right, the letter, the effort of a letter, because you have to, you know, reread it, Angela, put it back in the, you know, put it in an envelope, seal that envelope and go post it all oh, of the while. God, thinking that write? was a I mean, good thing to do. <laughs> I'd love to know what I wrote in that letter. Yeah, I'd love to. Oh, oh me my God. Too. Presumably it wasn't particularly racy. Otherwise you wouldn't have been surprised no, at the have response. Because I was a very innocent, sweet 16-year-old. You yeah. know, I wasn't. I wouldn't have had the confidence to be at all racy. I would have just gone, I think you look very friendly. And I think we should, you know, <laughs> just thought I'd write and say hello. Um, oh, my God. But that was it. Because I went to an all-girls school and I had such little access to boys it was just yeah. how do i get how do i get one in my life that i could talk to him like 
Yeah, because that's not even you being a kind of, oh, we need to get married or have sex or whatever. It is just a, I'd like some male, you know, some male company that isn't, yeah. you know, a generation above or my little yeah. brother my friend's and his friends. brothers, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're a letdown. Was... Oh, man. oh, my God. Can that's you remember his name? Can you remember Can't. anything about the family of the week? I, I remember, I think they were in, I want to say they were in Leeds, but that's all I can remember. I'm sure I've got the letter in a box somewhere that he wrote me. Yeah, I'm sure sort of I've one. got that in a box of stuff somewhere. But please try and find it and stick it on the, will, on the Instagram. If I find it, it be... stick it, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. So bad, I'll isn't it? If because if that it. was social media, you'd have been getting dick pics. You know, it's, he oh, sounds yeah. like a dick pic kind of 16-year-old. <laughs> I reckon he's, to say. You know, he must be, well, he's my age now. He's probably in his 40s sending dick pics wherever he is, I imagine. <laughs> um because that's oh, quite God. a shocking thing to do. Because I don't imagine he'd got a lot of fan mail from being a boy on the What's family that? of the week at Big, Big Breakfast. What sort of sad 16-year-old girl does that? This one, this sort, that's who. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we are all about owning the sadness here. Oh, man. <laughs> but I, thought, I just... My, my, I mean, probably my biggest celebrity crush of all time was quite weak. So... From when I was about 14, maybe 15, I listened to, um, I listened to Radio 4 because it was really cool, Margaret. And, <laughs> super um, cool. Super cool. And there was a programme on it about John Lennon. And I remember I taped it off the radio. I've still got the cassette tape. It was a documentary about his um, assassination and it was called Imagine John Lennon Was Dead. And I listened to it and I just got this obsession with John Lennon. And I started collecting everything I could collect and I had posters in my... And I remember my mum being a bit like, is this weird? I mean, he's dead. Is this weird? I don't know. Shouldn't, shouldn't she like take that or something? This is, this is weird. Um, but I think it's because it was sort of safe. Like I was never going to meet oh, him. I was yes. never going to have to, you know, being in love with a dead man is quite easy. They're never yes. going to reject you. Yes. And also, I mean, but there's a lot of material on him and he, you know, yep. released a lot of material. So so as a kind of collector of him, you know, brilliant all the choice. Books, there's T-shirts, there's everything. posters. Yeah. Yeah. Videos. And my wall was plastered with photos. And I even had <laughs> a magazine article once about like where he grew up and stuff. And I had like pictures of his childhood house on my wall and things like that. Like it was really stalkery. And in fact, that yeah, was like recreating remember, him. Yeah, it was just, he was everywhere. And I remember um, I took it, I only took it down when I was 17 and I had my first sort of proper real life boyfriend, a guy called Shailen, he was lovely. And the first time he came to my house and he walked into my bedroom and he was like, wow, this mm. is weird. And I was like, <laughs> It is a bit weird, isn't it? And I took it all down after. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it's quite intense, this, isn't it? <laughs> it, did, it didn't have the red string all over it, did it? No. It didn't have, like, mats. No. <laughs> I have to, oh, my God, I, this is terrible for bringing back embarrassing memories, Margaret. What have you done to my brain? <laughs> so sorry. I'm not sorry at all. That, oh, my God. So uh, this is around the time of the note on the train. I um, Maybe it was just after that. And uh, so I was living in this house share in Brighton and I was uh, staying in this room and it was being sublet, the room. The guy whose room I'm staying with was spending six months working abroad. So I was staying in his room and there, his name was Dan. I never met him because I you know, was renting his room. But there was a plaque on the door that just said Dan's room, right? And yeah. then one night, I, I, there's this guy, 
that I liked for one, his name was Dan. And we'd been sort of flirting and we'd had a couple of snogs or whatever. And I'd just forgotten that my bedroom at home had Dan's room written on the door, right? A completely different Dan. <laughs> and anyway, we'd been flirting and whatever. Anyway, eventually he came back to mine one night, right? And of course he walks to my, comes up to my bedroom oh and he my says, God. Dan's room on the door. Oh my and God. And in that moment, I suddenly realised. So he looks at me and I looked at him and I just, I couldn't help myself. I just went, I've been expecting you. And he just looks so <laughs> terrified. That's going, no, 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 no. It's not yet. It's so <laughs> I expect to just open the door and there'd just be a shrine. And... <laughs> that is so good. That's so brilliant. Because I, I remember oh, seeing, God, um, these yeah, seeing someone who, uh, who as a as a prank. And I, uh, generally, I hate pranks, but I know of um, uh, some people who their their housemate was on a date and um when she came back they'd set up a shrine to princess diana in her bedroom <laughs> <laughs> with candles and stuff. oh that is and that lovely. is funny <laughs> yeah. oh that i so there was a boy at university that i had a massive crush on and actually it's quite sad because um we never admitted to each other but we both oh. kind of got, and it was only after he left, he wrote me a letter that was like, actually, he's quite fancy you quite a bit. Oh. I was like, oh, it's not quite fancy to you as well. What a shame. We never, but I mean, the, so that, so he was a postgrad when I was an undergrad. So he was a few years old. He's like 23 or something when I was 19. And um, we were in the same halls of residence. And I used to do terrible things to him because, again, I didn't know how to behave around men that I fancied. So what sure. do you do? You, you're just horrible to them. That's what you do. <laughs> And I did things like I went in his room and moved, like swapped all his CDs around in the wrong cases and things like that. I would do just to wind him up. And then there was this one night he was going on a date and I was obviously jealous, but I couldn't say that I was jealous that he was going on a date with this girl. And he was all really excited about it all day. And, you know, he'd met her somewhere and they were going out. And I was insanely jealous, but couldn't tell him. So while he was out on the date, I emptied Oh, this is so awful. I emptied a packet of Frosties in his bed. Yeah. I just left it. I left oh, my God. I hope, she, I hope she's great. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's... A back on the <laughs> just a bed for that Frosty. Was it under the covers? Would they have only noticed when they sat down on it? But the <laughs> I think oh, I got in bed God. and it was just full of Frosties. <laughs> oh my god i, I am not fancy <laughs> why what if he so worked that out after he must like have did known. he think like, but but then i was so i do such mean things if to you were him, quite horrible time... maybe he was just like god she hates me she really hates i don't know they were sort of they were all under the guise of being pranks you know so it was all just being yeah. like oh is it funny? i'm doing all these mean things to you like there was one time he went out and me and the rest of the people who lived in the same halls, we just hid all it. took all the furniture out of his room and just hid it in other places. Like there was like a, cause it was all in a corridor in his hot and there were the ladies toilets. We put his bed in there. And so he just came home and his room oh was empty. Oh my God. Just hid all it. <laughs> or we did the old, you know, post-it notes on every single thing in his room. We did that too. Yeah. Yeah. All Classic. sorts of things I did to that poor boy. But yeah, the frosties in the bed, I think was some <laughs> <laughs> did he call you on it? What did What yeah, did he say? Do you remember? Such a good sport about it because I think, oh. like, 
I think he thought it was funny because it sort of was. Like, yeah. he didn't get angry. I think he was a bit like, okay, can you not do that if I bring a girl home? Can you not? <laughs> like, did it last? So, I mean, he should have been livid. No, it didn't last. No. Yeah. No. He's married now, <laughs> happily married now. Uh, and we're still good friends. He came to my wedding last year. It's all fine. We're good friends. But there was this moment afterwards where, like, because after university, we wrote to each other. Um, and yeah, one of the letters once, he was like, by the way, I don't want to tell you this, but I really fancied you when we were at uni. And I was like, oh, um, shit. Yeah, I fancied you as well, but waste. we've both moved on with our lives now. So, you know. But it's it's good, isn't it? I guess that's that possibly uh, informed 31-year-old Angela's flyering of uh, train Yeah, men. maybe it did. It gave me that little <laughs> you know. bit of confidence of going, oh, maybe. Well, yeah, well it's just sort of knowing, knowing that if you don't say, nothing's going to happen. You know, there isn't a, you know, you yeah, seize the day. Absolutely. Going to do the maths yes. now. So be careful who you choose. Yeah. Who are you going to say is your biggest crush, ultimate crush? Oh my God. my bi- It's got to be John Lennon. Like it was so long lasting and it was all right. so all encompassing. And I really want to know if, you know, had he been alive. Is it alive, still there now? It's... It, but, not yeah. so much so, did you ever, did you... and I've sort of heard a bit more about what he was actually like as a person, that he probably wasn't very nice to women, mm, and yeah, all some... of that stuff has put me off, I'd say. Um, um, and you never considered Julian? No, in fact, I know a friend of mine did date Julian Lennon for a bit. She'd been, um, she was a waitress <gasps> at the really? Grouch Show, yeah, and she dated him for a bit, so that was out of bounds. Um, I never met him. I knew her after she'd dated him. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you might have got a bit cornflakes in the I bed about got... that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I know that as a euphemism now for being a stalkery weirdo. Yeah, she got a bit cornflakes <laughs> in the bed. You know, it happens. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I'm... Um, it's really bad, I'm afraid. Oh, no. But listen, he's dead. So yeah. he, he's dead and he always was, weirdly. Yeah, yeah. So it's never good enough for him, uh, it's 19%, Ooh, that's which is low, particularly low. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. It's probably well, the most to go try with my married another name. beardy nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going down that road. So we used to do when we were kids, we were doing that with the, go, well, try it with my middle name. Try it without my middle name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people don't really call me that. What they call yes. me is Ange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you're you're gonna have to yeah suff, suffer it i'm afraid Suck it up. Um, yeah, but thank you fine. thank you so much i i sort of feel like we need a part two at some point so um i'll, I'll be I'm back game, in touch I've got but... more. <laughs> yeah brilliant okay we'll do a live one sometime okay thank right. you very much angela Barnes. thanks for having me the other thing I should say, we're going to be recording our first live show at Machantlis Comedy Festival on Sunday the 30th of April. I think I'm getting better at saying that. Um, and that's with the lovely Eleanor Morton, who is brilliant. Uh, there's only a few seats in there, so do come and sit on them. Uh, the details and the link are on our Substack page. Head over there. And if you want to follow us, do that. I'd love that. Uh, It's all free. It means we can share a few extra things. Thank you. You've been.
been listening to Crushed by Margaret Caborn-Smith, hosted by Margaret Caborn-Smith and produced by Victoria Lloyd and Lindsay Fenner for Mighty Bunny Productions. If you can bear it, please like, subscribe, rate and give us a nice review as it helps me feel better about my life choices. 